and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 506. Yeah, what are we talking about tonight? This is our listener feedback, otherwise known as the Lance episode. Well, even though it's not all Lance, it yeah, it'll be mostly Lance. But that that will be the this will be our catch up on feedback, going all the way back to a little bit of feedback to uh, episode 500. So we're gonna start with Mark. Uh, was Mark the one that came today? No, Jesse came today. No, no, let's let's work and let's go. Let's work from recent and work backwards. Let's. Just let's just do the most recent one first. Even though Lance is building on his previous stuff, maybe we'll do Lance in chronological order. But let's let's okay. but let's but let's, but let's work backwards. Let's let's do Jesse and let's do Jesse and Mark, and then we'll and then we'll roll into the the Lance portion of our program. You want to do Jesse? You want to do? And Lance um, is the one whose phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I oh God. I had to scare. I know whenever Lance listens, maybe I'll bleep. Maybe I'll bleep. I'll bleep that out even as a joke. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, so you want to you want to read Jesse's or do you want to read Mark's? Uh, what Jesse's is fire. Okay, yeah, Jesse's. Yes, I can came in on Tuesday, right? Yeah, I just noticed it today actually when I went to go check. All right. So Jesse says uh, is titled Episode Five Hundred One and Dark Crisis Thoughts. He said, "Hey y'all." First, best wishes and good luck to Chad as he embarks on new adventures in podcasting. I've enjoyed listening to him, his opinions, and especially his rants over the past several years. Dot, dot, dot. Wait a minute. I just started episode 504 to see who the no co-host is and Chad's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. (laughs) It was nice hearing Dan on those episodes while Chad was away. Dan often has his own unique take on things. Anyway, I wanted to share my thoughts on dark, uh, dark multi-crisis on infinite, infinite hyper omni earths without a Justice League. In general, I enjoyed the event. I'd probably put it at third on my crisis list behind the original and infinite crisis, but way ahead of Dark Knight's metal, death metal, and final crisis. It was far from a perfect sequel to the original crisis, though. That was infinite crisis. We really didn't need another one for that matter. The things I liked. The role played by the next generation characters like John Kenneth Superman, Nightwing, Joe, Kid Flash, and Wally's kids. The Flash tie-ins with Wally and company searching for Barry were great. The Green Lantern Corps was used sort of well instead of being nerfed like they were in the original Crisis. It did kind of ignore that the Corps was decimated during Thorne's run on GL, but that's okay. I won't get into it now, but for the most part, part I didn't like Thorne's run. The epilogue where Barry's notes on the multiverse were shown. Things I didn't like. 
Deathstroke, my favorite DC villain slash sometimes anti-hero, was severely mischaracterized. I generally liked Williamson's run on Deathstroke, uh, on Deathstroke Inc., but it was like he was writing a different character in Dark Crisis. I just can't see Deathstroke, who I've been reading since the 90s, caring enough about big picture stuff to want to destroy the multiverse unless somebody was paying him to do it. I guess getting dunked in a Lazarus pit that was tainted by the Great Darkness will do that to a guy. Pariah really never was a believable big villain either. But ultimately, the only thing we got out of this universe-changing event was Green Arrow dead again, and more than 52 universes, which honestly I thought we already got out of Convergence slash Rebirth. I'm sad to see that we still don't have any Lantern or really any cosmic books on the horizon until May. The last new DC issue I bought was the last issue of Dark Crisis, and I probably won't pick up any more for a while. I'm mildly interested in the new Green Arrow book that starts in April and the Waller versus Wildstorm book since it includes Deathstroke. The latter is a Black Label book, so I guess it's not in the main DC Universe continuity. Right now, all my comic book budget is going to Marvel for Star Wars books, which are almost all awesome, and picking up some back issues of some indie titles that I skipped over the past few years to buy what ended up being lackluster DC books. Keep up the good work, guys. Keep those rings charged. Jesse. So lots to unpack there. Yeah, uh, especially even with the universe changing event. It's not even that we have more than 52 universes. It's just that we got every single world back. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he he is absolutely correct. Like we like Dan and I talked like Dan and I talked about it. Like technically convergence restored all the old universes that were destroyed in crisis on infinite earths but i guess basically this was there were there were some eggs for the omelet that were that were broken before we got so there were individual worlds that were still destroyed before this event that had not been restored but all the previous universes had been restored in convergence that's what i that's my understanding of how that played out but yeah it was not something that's supposed to be uh the the real sequel to a crisis on infinite earth. It had such small uh, ramifications that that's that. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm with you. Um, I do. I have uh, the PDF here in front of me of DC connect 33. So I'm just opening that up here on my end, but yeah, I just, it, it was a really lackluster event. Um, it wasn't the best. It was, uh, I, I disagree with you about Deathstroke, but that's totally fine. Everybody can have their own uh, uh, takes on anything and their own favorite characters. I do agree with you on the mischaracterization of it, but I just generally speaking don't care about Deathstroke even when he's characterized well. Uh, I think I mentioned it before. The last time I really cared about Deathstroke was season two of Arrow. But regardless, man, he ranked at top three. He didn't he didn't mention zero hour or anything. I think he so I, I think he's just talking things with the actual. I don't know, but he did mention death metal in those in in there too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know where. I mean, obviously it's better than Final Crisis, but having uh a hundred blank pages probably would be better than Final Crisis. And I think it's absolutely spot on that Infinite Crisis was the up to this point has been the only the true natural successor to the original Crisis and the one that was probably went the best. That that was a very well organized event, but. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Most of the most of these crisis level events have been turds. I mean, including mm-hmm. Convergence that has some good parallax moments, and that's the main reason why it's cool. And but for me, but that but as a general storyline, and that moving beyond the whole uh, battle worlds, 
uh, Secret Wars kind of like ripoff aspect of what they were doing in Convergence. There was nothing to that either. So, yeah, I'm just I'm he's talking about uh, here about, you know, not buying a whole lot from uh, DC right now. I I agree with you. I'm I'm on the latest DC Connect, which, by the way, guys, if you've ever picked up an issue of previews, you know that uh, in that catalog, Marvel has its own like little side you know, magazine with their solicits, DC started doing the same thing. And then it's called DC connect. It's free to download when it comes out from DC's website. So if you can want to see all the solicits, at least from DC, you can do that uh, on DC.com. Just search for the DC connect and look up the most recent one. Uh, he's right. I am curious about the um, uh, green arrow. Number one issue that's supposed to come out in mid uh, mid to late April. Um, it's still Joshua Williamson, but the art on the inside looks pretty cool. And not to mention the plethora of arrow characters on there. And there was what seems to be a green lantern, uh, construct of a, uh, of Hal's mask up in the sky in the background on that image. Um, so whether that means anything for this particular issue or just the future of where this book is going, uh, it seems criminal to not have a, uh, <laughs> to not have a, um, cameo of Hal in there at some point if you're going to do a new Green Arrow series. Uh, so I'm definitely down for that. There's going to be a, a freaking Connor Kent book, which art's not for me, but I, I was at least curious about that. And then beyond that, there's really nothing. There's a there's a, a new Static Shock series that I'll be getting. And of course, I'm still getting Nightwing. Um, but a really, aside from that, there's really not a whole lot from DC right now that I could care much for. Tom King's doing a book called Danger Street, which is kind of horror and like pulls a lot of those characters from um it's not DC Presents. Uh it's like where you got to introduce to like to the Creeper and to Lady Cop and stuff like that. Um just a lot of those random and you know, I love those those DC characters. And then of course Justice Society, but like there's there's page after page after page of solicits in here. And that's like, what, five books that I'm really interested in. And, and the only one of those I'm super passionate about is Nightwing. So, yeah, um, until the new GL book comes out, personally speaking, uh, I'm making the recommendation that DC may not be where it's at right now. Um, but he does mention in here, Indy, Indy's where it's at right now, personally speaking. A lot of really good projects going on, so definitely check that out. I don't know, or I know you do read indie on occasion. Are you reading anything indie now? No, I haven't. I actually, I haven't even been to my local comic shop, and and I, every like every single time I plan on going, something happens. It's either it's either something happens at work, it's either weather related. And the last week, mm-hmm. the the COVID fairy finally hit, so I haven't been. So I didn't go. To, I haven't been able to go in the last week if I wanted to. So the reality is I haven't I haven't I'm trying to remember the, the last thing that I grabbed that wasn't D that wasn't straight up DC or or Marvel. Uh, but it's been a while. Yeah. No, I'm 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 with you. Um it's it's uh, yeah. There's a so the the what is kind of cool, um there um, can I send you a screenshot of this? I think I can't. No, I can't. R- regardless, you know the Superman 78 series that they were doing and then yes. they did a Batman 89 series? Yep. They're collecting those into trade paperback form and putting them into a – oh, sorry, hardcover form and putting those jointly into a slipcase edition, which looks like a VHS box. 
and has some of the artwork and, and the and the side um the spine uh of of the hardcovers look like the the labels you used the the self written labels you used to put on right. VHS recordings and that's that's cool <laughs> and I thought that was a cool little gimmick but sorry that's neither here nor there I'm on a total tangent now scrolling through this thing we should go to the next thing <laughs> alrighty then so let's do Mark Mark the subject is really enjoyed 500 501 and 502 so hi guys congrats on 500 episodes really enjoyed the panel's discussion of where green lantern can and should go enjoyed your analysis of dark crisis and the emerald knight one shot looking forward to your analysis of two green lantern books this year i still say jessica is the green or yellow lantern to focus on to focus on just in case i butcher that well whether she should be the one that gets focused on, that's that's possible. Whether she will be, probably not. Uh, we know in the slide and the hierarchy of things, uh, if you're going to deal with non the non uh, Corman, that it would be probably Joe because she's the drug of the moment. Probably because of where they're heading currently now with the DCU theatrically. That it's probably not, it's probably not a coincidence that John and Hal are going to get. They're going to get the focus. That tends to happen a lot. We see Marvel do it all the time ad nauseum. It's like, hey, they got a movie coming out. So let's talk. Let's 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 prop up characters that normally normally people don't give a shit about in the books and see if it works. Or now that if they had a successful movie like the Guardians, all of a sudden now let's try to make them important in the comic books when they really weren't. So DC probably will do a lot of that with Hal and John. They'll probably get a lot of the focus. I do wish Jessica would. Yeah, they didn't really do much with the Jessica being yellow as as well as they should have. That would be something, even if it's like in a flashback, if she if they do pick up with her being green in the actual books, that it would be nice to eventually get some story stories of what happened when she was yellow. But I just wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect us to see a whole lot of Jessica. But yeah. No, I would like to pick up on that story. There was definitely a lot of interesting potential there. And I mean, we've talked a lot about it when we when we not not just the episode where we covered the actual issue where that happened, but uh, or issues where that happened. But um, also just we've talked about it a lot since. So just just the fact that we continue to mention Jessica is yellow uh, already tells me that there's enough storytelling potential there that we should see that again. Um, whether we will or not, yeah, remains to be seen, but it's uh, it would be a shame if they didn't. I would agree with that. Right. And then Mark had another one. It was just from it was just from October. It's oh, also- that one. Um, we, we never did that one. Mm-mm. All right, then I'll do it. As you approach episode 500, just wanted to let you know how much I enjoy listening to Mark, Chad, and Dan. Your insights into everything Green Lantern and beyond are really interesting, and your episodes always flow. Looking forward to you guys discussing a new Green Lantern book, hopefully in the near future. Which, of course, I said, a new Green Lantern book, surely you jest. And I won't be that far off. It's going to be like about, it's going to be over half a year by the time we actually get one based on when I sent that message. (laughs) Which means it'll be it'll be well over it'll be over a year since we had a Green Lantern book at that point. Oh, so, um, so I would say as now we now we will enter the Lance portion of this program directly head on. So I say we probably. So you want to go in chronological order of how he left them? You want to do we that? We should because he does up? follow up on himself a little bit. Okay. So yeah. th- so let's 
So have you listened to these yet? Uh, I have not. Uh, oh, sorry. The, just the way our email pulled one of these, it put the one that said I left a message but forgot to say it was me. So yeah, that, yeah, that's right. It, so it put it before the other one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no. So I'll right. just I'll just mute myself and yeah, and I'll listen to it again. I have these I have these saved, but I'll listen to okay. them too, just so I can refresh my memory. Greetings, Lantern Cast. Congratulations on making it to episode 500. I was excited to see it followed by the latest episode of Green Lantern Prebirth. Those episodes are really fun, especially because we get to hear Jim talk about lantern things again. On that note, I want to echo his point that Darkseid's presence being necessary for good to exist is flawed logic. I do think we could get some good stories out of it, though, and here's how. Something can exist without a counterpoint to point it out. Goodness doesn't need evil so that it can exist. It just needs it in order to be perceived. To me, this reframes the manipulative, controlling Darkseid's point. It also brings other questions to mind, like, what is the purpose of good and evil needing to be perceived? Do we need to know good exists in order to work toward it, or are we being told what it is by some of the most powerful forces in the DC universe? What are other forces of, quote, good and evil that further contextualize what New Genesis and Apocalypse do? The Guardians are important, divisive figures in the books and the Phantom. Surely they fall somewhere in all this, but where are they really? I could be way off in this, uh, but I still wanted to share. How else am I going to grow my understanding? Thanks for all that you've done and continue to do. I'm looking forward to what's to come. Thank you, Gus. Bye. Thank you all. Bye. So, since you, I'm sure you, you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, that that's referring to when we did the dark side up issue of the Spectre, in which Hal lashes out and tries, and he, he first he feels he's being he was being called to Apocalypse to deal with uh, the evil that is on Apocalypse. That's the basically Apocalypse itself, I believe, need, needed to be redeemed and. And before he got to that, during that process, or that was the conclusion he thought he was wrong, that he was there to wipe out Darkseid. So he does momentarily kill Darkseid, but Darkseid comes back and Darkseid is kind of taunting him about about the, uh, why do you think that is that you couldn't kill me? And then Hal gets a vision or is gifted like a vision or taken on a tour by Ali Apsa, who is in a personalized uh vision of the of the presence of god to explain to, to how pretty much that it's the yin and yang thing that something like dark side that evil that evil needs to exist so that's that was something that came <sighs> up in that in that uh discussion between jim and i and understandably so jim had a jim didn't really buy into that and thought it that was kind of but it's understandable because i agree with a lot of his points too that the idea that that what's the what's the point of someone like the Spectre at all if it basically is if all you can do is take care of these tiny little level things if if they're evil and you can punish these like almost like ground level evil but 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 the high level evil is is as untouchable because it needs to exist in order to have the high level good so that's basically the the discussion yeah. that was I mean well not even going that far with it it's just like I don't think this is anything that can be defined within the confines of what exists as the current dc universe now um and, and i don't just mean you know post uh dark crisis i just mean just in general with the characters that we have because hell does exist heaven and hell do exist in the dc universe we've seen that we've got characters that prove that and so on and so forth 
So if a literal hell exists, how can how do we consolidate that thought? Because if hell exists, Satan exists. And again, we've pointed we've pointed to that or rather Lucifer. Uh, there is a character, Lucifer. So like we know that's a whole thing. So if Lucifer himself exists, how can we have other vehicles of evil incarnate? Because they can't both be evil incarnate or could they like, what is that? And are, are both then subject to the same rules. So like, it's, it's even just, even the, the idea of evil half having to exist uh, just before we even approach that there's so much different. There's so many different things within the DCU that, claim to be evil incarnate that we've lost count which which is which you know darks uh, it, it seems like lately the narrative structure is pushing towards dark side being it and i say lately we're obviously talking about the the hal jordan specter years so you know i use that term very loosely but like it's dc seems to be pushing for the idea you know they say it all the time dark side is um but I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's a question that can be answered. I mean, it's definitely something you can philosophically wrestle with, uh, which I do like to do. So uh, I wish I would have thought about it a little bit more. But it's really hard for me to come up with an answer to that because, you know, I I grew up in a Christian church and stuff like that. So a lot of a lot of this stuff. You know, obviously we're answering it within the confines of the DC universe, so I don't have to bring you know, real world religion or personal thoughts into it, but we're talking good and evil. You almost have to. Um, I stepped away from the church for a number of reasons um, and, and stuff like that, but I don't know if that ever changed my fundamental beliefs. Um, it's just the, the structure and the, the trimmings that I have gotten rid of. Um, and I just, I don't know. I don't know what that's like. Does evil have to exist? Um, if you're taking the approach of a world where, um, either everything is random, there is no core creator or whatever it is you believe, or a creator that really isn't hands-on, uh, then I would say evil just is. Um, and does it have to exist? Probably not. But if the cosmos itself, the evolutionary process of the universe and its in its in its path from creation to whenever it may end, birthed evil of its own volition, then to me it seems like a fundamental force. Um, because I don't. And also, I also wonder: is evil something? Sure. Sure, evil is something that is, you know, literally defined by humans because of our intellect and stuff like that. But is evil something that is natural? Like, do is 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 there malicious intent in animals or in really any other process of life that we can name in the universe? I don't know. I don't know. So my my. My upbringing says, yes, evil is fundamental for us to understand good. But since stepping away from everything I was taught to believe, I don't know that I agree that it is. 
I think when you put it in context of of DC, we 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 understand moving beyond the big picture philosophical issues, yeah. which of course this book, especially in in particular, always dealt with. We know that I mean the main reasons are because well we you need these characters to exist. You don't want to wipe them out. It's to say it's 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 fundamentally no different when you break it down to why the why the Spectre didn't kill the Parallax entity when he had the chance in Rebirth. It's like it's like in theory it shouldn't have been that difficult to do. He just chose not to do it with some mumbo jumbo and then they retconning it to, oh, he was afraid of Parallax. So there's, there's dark side exists because you need, you want dark side to exist in the DCU. Now, do you need, I don't, it, it is, it's, it's a real slippery slope because I, I remember in the, in the Micronauts, I remember they didn't, they made a big deal of this in the Micronauts about, uh, after that, I'm trying to remember the number of friggin' times they killed Baron Carza. And I think it was after, I think it was after the after they killed him the after he came back the second time uh I should say after they had gotten rid of him the second time and he came back the a third a third time technically I think he there was some there was some big uh, he played up the fact that basically you know that more or less like you know good good had its day and now his evil's turn again kind of like the pendulum effect Mm-hmm. That is probably more true as far as which has nothing to do with them having to exist. It just has to do with everything else. And it's it's like thing. It's everything cyclical, and that and, the, and unless you want to look at it from the philosophical perspective, that that's why they have to exist because it because the nature of life is cyclical. So you have to have some evil because at some point it's, the good the good's going to go too far or the good. Or the good, good people are going to forget basically or take good for granted. So you need to go swing the pendulum on the other side to remind people of why that the other side is preferred. That then you could, I guess, going along with the pendulum concept, then you could make probably more of an argument why it has to exist. It's just not always, it's always there. It's just not always as prevalent and it's not always in power. Yeah. I just, I, I like that idea because, and building off of it, because I don't think it's a different idea. Uh, the pendulum it's the thing we see a lot is the balance is upset and that's when things get interesting when the balance is tipped too far one way or too far the other that that's when things get interesting and, and these big stories happen it's also very interesting to me and it's also very interesting to me especially when we talk about these big cosmic events like dark crisis and things like that you know, we have these single stories where we have our heroes focusing on we don't kill, we don't kill, we're doing everything we can to protect life, blah, blah, blah. But then we get these big crisis level events and worlds are dying and these people are just unfazed, uh, which is so strange to me. It's not a mischaracterization because maybe they're just numbers too big to comprehend or something like that. Uh, or there's really no other choice. But then you you, you use that phrase, no other choice. And it's like that's something they don't accept in other terms. So it's it, it's really strange to be dealing with that kind of stuff. But I I do like the idea of a balance that there has to exist a balance. Um, and I guess if you're pointing to the idea that a balance has to exist, then that means two opposite sides of the same coin, and you can't you can't have one without the other. Yeah, and and that, and and in the in that issue that. Ali Opsa made that point, you know, in quote, Ali Opsa made that point to how, because he showed him the power battery and he said, well, what makes a battery work? The positive and the negative, the two, the, yeah. the two sides. So, 
Well, thanks for that, Lance. I didn't uh, intend to go off on a philosophical tangent uh, as, you know, unformed as that one was. But thanks. Anyways, I'm sure I'll be up all night thinking of uh, a more concrete answer. <laughs> and then we have one on the eighth. That's the one I was. Yeah, that's the one I was about to play. Uh, that that's that'll give you some that'll give you your opportunity to any any more of. Any more venom towards the the uh, thorn run? That's that's the that's the thorn run email. So let's so let's play so let's play this one and then uh, and we'll come back. Greetings, Lantern Cast. This is Lance saying we're at the end of a once promising Green Lantern run that I've only read about half of. I'm not here as an expert, but as someone with a general impression of what I have read. This is incomplete, but now's the time to say something. So here we go. I really wanted to like this book for the stories it promised. However, it's less about where we ended up than it is about how we got there, and to me, the pacing is off. Maybe it's just in the issues I've got, but the interactions just read like points on an outline more than an organically flowing story. I can't fully describe it, but it's also in the early Red Lanterns and Brightest Day Green Lantern Corps books. We only get the occasional peek behind the curtain, but most of what I've heard about DC's editorial decisions seems to say their hands off until they have to make last-minute changes, which maybe happens more often than is good for the story. I love that Thorne saw the potential in a Jessica Cruz who can wield fear. That's very different from a Jon Stewart who's pushed through a story just to get one, an ascension, two, a revived Zamshi, and three, a newly realized wife in the form of a MacGuffin. I believe that Jon Stewart deserves good things. I just hope that the issues I've missed tie those rewards, rooted in nostalgia as they may be, to actions that demonstrably build on the growth that brought him there. I agree with Mark that it would be important to consider the perspective of the Cat Matui, who ends up being used to replace Cat. This offers the opportunity to explore the limits of that Jon's abilities, especially if we meet him after a few, quote, failed attempts. How does he grow when he finds out that forcing an old love back into existence is more of a task to be completed than a romance? What happens when the key to his strength, which he thought he'd mastered, is actually working against him? I don't know what to expect from both John and Hal's new books, but I'll be interested to see how they grow as characters. Thank you, and see you next time. All righty. Yeah, um, so I guess I have a chance to talk about it. The Green Lantern, John Stewart. Emerald Knight, the one shot. Um, Summed it up I, well, Chad. <laughs> uh, I don't have to. It's already been done. Thank God. Did I enjoy it? No. I thought there was some interesting stuff in there. I do. Do I agree with Thorne's decisions? No. Did I enjoy a lot of what Thorne did? No. Do I see what he was going for? And do I. And let's be honest, mostly through Dan. Uh, see the larger picture here. Yes. Doesn't mean it was for me. And I, as somebody who, you know, with the podcast like Creative Credit, I like comic book creators. I like talking to them. I like them getting their chance to tell their stories the way that they want to with as little editorial uh, or corporate interference as possible. It seems like this project was fraught with a lot of that. So since we don't get a lot of glimpses into it, except we did kind of in this one since um, uh, Thorne did have his um, 
was it Patreon posts uh, that talked a bit about that. So we got more than the average glimpse. It's despite those, it's still difficult to tell what I what of what I liked or and or didn't like was the result of Thorne's intent and decision making when he thought up this series or was the result of editorial and or corporate interference. And because I like creators and them getting the chance to tell their story, it's very clear that he had a much larger story in mind and DC, whether it be for sales or any other reason, decided to cut him off at the knees much the way they did uh, Colin Bunn. But give him a chance to quote unquote, finish his story. So I would say that this one shot was a gift to Thorne. Um, and I see that he did the best he could with it, with the story that he was trying to tell. That said, I am forced to look at it as a fan who's reading a book that is an insert into a narrative that is being woven for this universe and not as a everything else I've been defining it as up until this point in what I've been saying. Uh, is it a personal creative work and all that stuff? Yes, of course. I'm fully acknowledging that. But as a story, I didn't really like this and not for anything other than it's such an obvious have your cake and eat it too ending. I can't continue to tell my story. So I'm going to make two John Stewart's where the one that we're going to go with, it seems like for moving forward is going to be the one um, that you know, hyper time or whatever we, we defined that John Stewart as, uh, and then my John Stewart. And even though those stories could be touched on in the future, but may not, he still exists out there somewhere. This feels like a thread we may not ever pick up again. I could be wrong about that, but it feels like much like we talk about convergence parallax still supposedly being out there in the universe somewhere, but we've never seen him again. This feels like a setup for another one of those situations. Isn't there a John Stewart other out there somewhere? When was the last time we saw him? I feel like that's going to be a question we're going to be asking in a few years. There were some interesting thoughts here, some interesting moments like the construct swords and all that other stuff. Uh, and the way in which John opposed, uh, and I already forgot his name. What's, what's his name? Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's easy to remember Lonar because he's a Budinsky. Just, he's an annoying, oh, like, you really shouldn't do it. Like, he's an annoying Jiminy Cricket. It's like, you really shouldn't do that, John. Or it's like, Esac or Esac, whatever. Esac, yes. He's a yes. sack of something. The idea that gods have to have a purpose. They are the god of something. And Esac had forgotten his in his quest. So John forced him to remember who who he was and remembering who he was put up natural, whatever, whatever the natural inherent abilities of gods are and whatever rules that once they understand what they are, they have to work in within those confines. So once he forced Isak to remember who he was, he's then limited in his ability to do what he was wanting to do, which was an interesting move and a really cool thing. I really think I, I, 100% props to it. Uh, if, if Thorne gets, cause it actually does seem like Thorne. I don't know if he listens to us, but it seems like he listens to a, a lot of stuff online and stuff. Obviously not the troll ass tweets and stuff like that, but he seems to 
pay attention to some of the feedback that happens through podcasts or whatever. So if he listens to this, I'm sorry I didn't like your work. I know you don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's not for everybody, and you've acknowledged that yourself. But I thought that was cool. Uh, not that you need my praise. But for that particular instance, I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I this this issue wasn't for me. The only way I super appreciate it is from everything else I was talking about, from a creative standpoint, from DC giving him a chance to wrap his story, so on and so forth. I can't I don't appreciate it as a story itself within the DC universe. And I think as some people have have discussed part of the issue, regardless of the interference, quote unquote, by editorial forcing him to do this in the beginning of the book and then which is kind of stupid it's like hey we need you to destroy this it's like can i can it come back at the end yeah then why the hell did you make him destroy it i mean it's not like anybody was clamoring for this but either way moving beyond that it's the fact that sometimes you get ahead of yourself and when it comes to having these long-term plans and having a story that was three years in the making if you will before all these pieces come together and it pays off. And it's like, well, you know, if I had three years, you would have completely understood where I was going and why I did this and why I did that. Well, it's like, it's nice, but it's kind of presumptuous to think you were ever going to get three years. <laughs> so, I mean, so, it's, you know, you're not like Grant Morrison, where Grant Morrison had said, I have a three year arc in this book and I want to, and I'll take this book, but I got to have three years. Barring some massive shift at DC, he would have gotten three years because he's Grant Morrison. Jeffrey Thorne doesn't have that kind of clout. Most writers don't have that kind of clout. So to kind of like design that, have a a lot of stuff even in that first year of the arc that it could have been trimmed. So much of that first 12 issues, you could have really tightened things up a lot. Or you could have focused in on one thing first and then pivoted to the next if you got to next year. Basically do one Year one is about this, year two is about that, and not have, oh, it's about this and that, and about this, and have like multiple arcs or stories that you're trying to finish. And when you, that becomes complicated when you, when you're stretching it out for, I think for potentially 36 plus issues. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. So we'll do the parallax email by Lance. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So you want, it's up to you. You want to do that. You want to finish up the voicemails and then do the text? Or do you want to? Uh, or do you want to? Yeah, wanna, it seems like a standalone question, right? Uh, yeah, he's yeah. got he's got a couple of qu- uh, graphics with questions for us to talk about. Okay. So All right. So then the twenty fourth is the voicemail you're talking about. January twenty fifth. All right. All so right. we'll we'll play that one and then we'll come back and discuss. Greetings, Lantern Cast. This is Lance here to say that five hundred three has got to be one of the best Lantern Cast episodes I've ever heard. Mark bringing Dan, Corwin, and the listeners along to experience and to explore what's important to him about our common interest gives it a strong re-listening value. I actually mentioned the Parallax Pillow example a few times over the past week, once at work and again while talking to friends from school. It works particularly great to describe my listening experience. Emphasizing Hal's point of view reframes the story to being about the cost of resilience instead of a failure to be good. As much as I value Jeff John's storytelling, it feels like a missed opportunity to see how little of that gets explored in his 10-year run. I take it as a reminder to seek out more opportunities for how to figure out and apply his true north while making sense of where he's been as he works to make the DC universe a better place. Also, when I hear button convergence, I think of something a lantern would have to stop from exploding while on an adventure. 
to answer one of Dan's questions, I think the green parallax outfit is the better one, and that's not just because it's the original. I also think that nobody pulls off face-to-shoulder pads quite like Hal does. In all seriousness, I think the yellow could have been better if they'd given us a little bit more rearranging of the original elements instead of just warping them a bit. And to Corwin's question, I don't think we know enough about the entities to recognize them in entirely new forms. That said, watching one develop from something we don't immediately recognize into their familiar self, kind of like Darkseid in Final Crisis, could be how we get to know more about them. Regardless, I'd rather they take their time reintroducing each entity instead of cramming them all into one story arc just so that it can be collected into trade. Once again, thanks for a fantastic episode. Also, I really enjoyed the cliffhanger there at the end. Good night, y'all. Alrighty. What do you think? Yeah, it was a good episode. I think a lot of people have said it. Uh, I know you said it's one of your favorites. Dan posted about it being one of his favorites. And I'm jealous. No. <laughs> uh, no Daryl liked it. Daryl liked it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It was it was indeed a good episode. Um I just, uh, as far as elaborating on some of his points, I think I agree with him on most of it. So there's not a lot to say with in in response. In terms of the new entities, whether we should bring back, you know, I they planted the rage seed in Green Lanterns, and that's just still stuck in my mind as a yep. possibility of things we can go. So I'd like to see that, but I also, you know, because you brought it up, let's say we don't get Adara and all of them back. Um, and not in their forms, not, it's, it's not a bull again. It's not a snake again. It's not a bird again. It's, it's whatever. It's something entirely new. If that's the case, then I do like his idea of where we don't immediately recognize them as entities, because like, you know, if we saw it as a living con essentially construct creature, um, you know, existing on its own, we'd immediately go entity. <laughs> um, but if we take the idea that we saw in Blackest Night, when we saw them as regular creatures who first felt this emotion and then sparked to become the entities, that would be an interesting storyline to play with. How you do it, that's up to writers who are much better at that kind of shit than I am. So I don't know. Don't even have a suggestion for that. Uh, whether they're sentient creatures or we watch just a bunny experience some sort of rage-filled event or something. I don't know. Um, but that could be cool to see because you don't immediately know. Like, you know, you're reading a, a lantern book and suddenly at the end you see this epilogue of some creature experiencing, you know, whatever the emotion is. And you're like, why did they show us that? And then later they we come back. Why do we keep coming back to this stupid rabbit or what i don't know why i chose a rabbit but whatever the hell um <laughs> so my mind just made the comparison evil rabbit what's an evil rabbit monty python <laughs> and now i have an evil white fluffy rabbit in my mind from monty python becoming a rage entity <laughs> sorry this is where my mind goes with this shit thanks lance <laughs> yeah appreciate that uh somebody come up with somebody who's artistically inclined let's do that um, but uh, I do like the idea of, of not immediately recognizing them as such uh, and watching that story unfold of how they become an entity. That could be fun. Yeah, I think that could work. And I also think at least for some of the entities, the idea of that you, they just introduce a new character that is 
that is heavily that heavily leans towards one emotion, and you and eventually you find out that this character is actually a host for the new entity that you didn't. That's true. I didn't even think about that. That so I think that's that, I think that's another possibility too. That the host know, for the entity fully grown or the host of the seed or whatever. Could be could host. be either. It yeah. could be it could be a it could be like yeah like almost like a nurturing primary host. So which would be interesting too if you did something like that to see. Would the relationship between the entity and the host be different when the when the entity is not fully grown? Would it be more of a mutual? No matter which entity it happened to be, would it be maybe more of a mutual relationship and less of a parasitic one uh-huh. under that circumstance? But either way, that I, th- I think that's so. Uh, that's another possibility to do something to do something like that. I definitely still. I I know I I chose this side of the of the debate when we did the episode, but yeah, I think Hal's costume is still better. Even in the Sinestro, yeah, yellow, the Sinestro parallax color. No cape, right? You like it without the cape? No, you do like the cape. Oh, it has to have the cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No offense, Daryl. Daryl yeah. likes it without the cape. Well, Daryl did it first without the cape. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we've ever had an in-depth discussion with him about about if he. Still I remember him it. saying he likes it without the cape. I think it's hard because we've seen so little of him without the cape. Yeah. Now you know, I think like I think the only time we've ever seen him without the cape was. Obviously, at the end of Emerald Twilight, and I think technically speaking, the last splash page of the second to last part of Emerald Fallout, when Hal's like coming out of the ground to square off with Guy, I think technically speaking, you can't see a cape on him then. But then you get to the next issue and he and he has the cape. It's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to know how I would feel about the, the parallax costume without the cape now because we're so used to it with. Yeah. But either I think, way, I think obviously the original is my favorite. That said. Sinestro is my second favorite. Oh yeah, it's certainly better than Kyle's. Yeah, and it's better than yeah, it's better than pretty much almost all the other people that have had parallax and inside of them temporarily and in and well, even just variations on like you know the convergence design, you know, like all that stuff. Uh, just variations, artistic variations. I, I Sinestro is still my favorite. Yeah, I would I I would completely completely agree with that it looks like he's just responding to you on a couple of things here but now, we, but now we but yes now we can now we can go back to the uh the two with the attachment from uh, the 10th because those have questions on them so yeah. I'll, I'll read i'll read the first one then um hey there lantern cast i've got a question for you in the mosaic comics video dc infinite frontier part one return of the black lantern dan points out that alan scott's been given trains as a signature construct while this could become a pigeonholing become pigeonholing it hasn't been overplayed yet so my question to you is if you were a lantern what would be your signature constructs personally i'd make a lot of situational appropriate animals like spiders for stealthy retrieval or whales for long distance travel as far as a signature construct goes i'm thinking elephants are octopi good word good word elephants are powerful in a way that that doesn't have anything to prove and octopi are unbound by what's insurmountable to the rest of us. Yeah. There's a strength to be found in facing how we all fall short of expectations and embracing ourselves anyway. That's where my idea of heroism comes from. And that's how it would show up as I did my lantern thing. It's impressive that you've kept the lantern cast going all this time. As far as I'm concerned, you're both all torchbearers looking forward to what's to come. Lance. That's a good question about the constructs. See, I think I'm just so much of a geek. I just like, you know, if I need a shield, it's going to be cap shield. You know what I mean? If I want to beat the shit out of somebody with a hammer, it's going to be Mjolnir. <laughs> you know? Um, but 
I like I like a lot of cosmic stuff. It, uh, Jim's never gonna freaking do it. Have would you be willing to read and or listen to the um, Green Lantern Heroes Quest novel? Probably. Okay, because I talk about it all the time, and we've never covered it on this damn show. It was going to be an Elseworlds thing, but Jim's not going to read it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I give up. So um, in that book, there's a moment where I think it's a fire extinguisher. Yes, I think uh, Kyle Rayner tries to make a fire extinguisher construct, and it doesn't work because he lacks the understanding for how a fire extinguisher works. Yes, um, which is a concept that has come up before when it comes to making constructs. Yes, yeah, it's like cooking, um, it's like cooking something. If you don't know how, you can't just go make a pizza. Have it makes have it. Create somebody to make a pizza for you if you don't even know how you actually would go about making a pizza. Correct. Uh, and I think I would follow sort of along that idea. I love things like s- space and physics and stuff like that. Um, whether it's I understand it enough to create a construct, that's another idea. But let's say I did. Um, I would like, you know, uh, if somebody's beating on me or whatever and I can't get them off with whatever conventional means, like maybe I form like a, a temporary, you know, construct black hole that has its own gravity behind it to suck them away from me or something or shooting stars or, you know, planetoids or asteroids or something like I, I would love very cosmic things because to me, that's one of the really cool things about Green Lantern. And I'm not just talking you know, personality wise or heroic wise, but just the idea that these guys are all over space. This, the space part is cool to me. I really like that. I like that they're seeing other worlds and other things that are possible in the realm of physics, because in terms of what we as humans know in the, in, in physics, and I'm, I already went on a philosophy, philosophy road. I'm not about to go down a physics road. Trust me guys, but to touch on it very briefly, what we understand as possible in the universe for things to develop life is all very carbon based. That doesn't necessarily mean that other forms of life aren't possible in the infinitude that is space. So the idea that these creatures are out, these, these green lanterns are out there visiting other worlds and, and not only seeing other cultures and other planets and other languages and so on and so forth, but other forms of reality is cool as shit to me. And I love when we play that I, with that idea. That's why I like characters like now he's a bad example because he also is a carbon based life form. But characters like Rotlop Fan because he literally exists in it's not just his, his his solar system, right? It's his entire sector is basically dark. So he he his species and other species within his sector just by natural occurrence, there's no light. They had to evolve a different way. What is that? How does that work within the confines of Green Lantern? And so on and so forth. So I'm so obsessed with the concept of space and life and how different things could develop that if I got a Green Lantern ring and got the opportunity to explore the universe with it, in addition to all the other duties a Green Lantern has um, and it, their duties to their own sector, boy, I'd be out there. Let me tell you, I'd be out there seeing what else the fuck is going on and trying to understand as much as of it as I could. And whatever I found out there that I loved, 
that I liked, that I thought was fascinating as hell, you'd bet I'd incorporate into my constructs 100%. The other thing, I'm obsessed with two other, uh, well, uh, I've always liked the idea of wings. So yes, would I fly with the power of the ring without a construct? You betcha. But I'm damn sure that if I got a ring, one of even even if I could figure out how to fly almost immediately without a construct, one of the first things I'd do is I'd strap a pair of construct wings to my back and see what that looks like. And also, we know I'm a huge fan of fire characters like Firestorm and Firestar and and Firebrand and all those other characters. Uh, if I flew uh, without a construct, um, uh, just with the ring. I would probably make sure that my energy trail as I flew looked like flames. <laughs> so I can see that. It's funny, Firebrand. It's funny you name dropped Firebrand. I completely forgot about Firebrand, but I do I love Firebrand. But I always like the but I always like the look of Firebrand. Um, it's such a simple costume too. It's just it's like <laughs> a, it's the mask is like literally a bandana. She's like got tied around her head, and she's like wearing like red overalls. Oh, that's a different Firebrand. I'm thinking the Marvel Firebrand. Oh, I'm thinking Danette Riley from okay. like uh, uh, Infinity Inc. and that stuff. Yeah, I'm or, thinking, sorry, I'm um, thinking, uh, all uh, all star squadron. I would probably do a lot of like you mentioned. I would the cap shield thing is interesting. Interesting. I would probably do a lot of characters that I going along that pop culture uh, road. I would probably create a lot of constructs based on characters and things that I that I know and I like. So it wouldn't just be weapons, but it would be, but. I could definitely create. I would not be against a good old construct. Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, things like that. Be a lot of fun. Be a lot of fun things you could you could create based on your pop cultural background and things like that. I think that would animals would be good. I I get. I probably would be. I would do more dinosaurs probably than anything. I would suspect. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, dinosaurs would be fun. Dinosaurs are always fun. So it would be. That said, the one exception, tiger is one of my favorite. Specifically, white tigers are my favorite animal ever. But they're, they're green constructs, so who know, who's going to know? Yeah, it kind of reminds. I would me use of, the shit out of a, out of a tiger. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of the uh, like the con the construct battle of the Hal and Kyle had in Parallax View in the first part when they when uh that that was kind of interesting just the dueling the dueling philosophies of and the the way they even the showing the way they not of the individuals but just of the way they would they cho- they would use the ring or would have kind of always used the ring even though obviously how was different at that point but how more straight how more straightforward like how just creates like i think that's the issue where how creates like the giant version of himself just to slam Kyle to the ground and i think Kyle's like creating a dinosaur and how's and that's when how says what are you trying to say that it that I that I that I'm, that I'm going to go extinct or I went extinct or something like that or, uh, but yeah, I think that's probably those would probably be some constructs of choice. Did you ever watch any of the direct to DVD DC Comics Lego movies? I'm not talking like Lego uh, Lego Batman that was in theaters. I'm talking like, you know, Lego like Flash the, or Lego Shazam or any of that. You mean stuff. the smaller with some of the smaller ones? You mean the yeah. smaller ones? I think I've watched some. Do you remember how the Green Lanterns make their constructs? Not entirely. So what they do is they tend to project the energy into a construct, but obviously they're bricks, right? But instead of just being a full, let's say a fully formed Lego set car, the bricks are made into their individual pieces and just sort of up there. They're in the place they should be. But they're separated from each other, so kind of they're all apart, 
the construct is made and then, you know, it, the, the ring flashes for a second, all the bricks come together at once. So it sort of builds right in front of you. And I could see myself making a bunch of Lego constructs that way. <laughs> yeah, that would that certainly would come in handy. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody who left us feedback. Thank you, Lance, for the plethora of stuff. Um, we will uh, obviously be better about keeping up with that stuff moving forward. But we knew scheduling wise and stuff like that, the way things were going. So we figured we'd just save it. Uh, and obviously, the DC Studios news was big deal. So we had to definitely make sure we got out of that. And uh, we didn't want to just kind of cram everything in the back end of a super long episode for you guys. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Uh, in the meantime, there has been, sorry, an announcement. And actually, you know, now that we're talking merchandise, we should actually talk about the uh, the uh, McFarlane Kyle as well, since I don't think we've talked about that on air. Yeah, I don't think we did, actually. So, first up, it was announced today that there will be a new Funko Pop that is coming out. No, it's not part of the bullshit NFT. Fuck you, Funko. Um, It is, uh, however, a Pop Heroes line. Interestingly enough, not a DC Pop in terms of, like, a it says Justice League or DC or whatever on the actual box art. This is actually for the WB's... 100th anniversary line of products that they'll be putting out. This is a Pop Heroes WB 100th anniversary Sinestro. And this is classic Sinestro in that he has his, you know, purple spiked neck, uh, classic outfit there. Um, he looks more like we've seen modern day Sinestro when we see him in that uniform and not True classic Sinestro, where he did obviously have much more of an elongated skull, but maybe that's just due to the nature of Funko heads. I don't know. Uh, but this one looks pretty damn cool. Uh, and I agree with some of the people who are online who are like, man, anything to not give us an actual Yellow Lantern. <laughs> um, while I agree with them, this is still pretty damn cool. The mustache is the best part. And yeah. it's, and as some people have pointed out, yes, it's, it, it, it's also cool because it, it is the Im- version of it's supposed to be Sinestro in Green Lantern Rebirth when he was shooting the arrows out at uh, Ollie. At Ollie and, and Kyle and everything at the end of uh, but issue four, I think. So that that was that was a was, it was hard to see based on the on the picture, based on how little you could see of the actual construct at first. It was kind of hard to put the two and two together, what it, what exactly it was. But when you get a better look at it. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The mustache makes it. I I don't think I'm gonna get it because I, I I really hate that uniform more now than I ever did before. It was the cla- It is the classic, but we're really? so you hate it. I like, hate. Yeah, that's a strong word. Why? Uh, okay, okay, strong dislike. Let's 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 not throw hate around too too easily. I I've come I have come and grown to dislike it because I'm so used to seeing him in the Sinestro Corps uniform, and it's such a better look that seeing him go back and that old like that, that clown collar uniform is just i know it's better because his head's not like 55 feet tall anymore like it used to be so it doesn't look as goofy as it used to but it's harder for me to see that i mean actually i, I would rather see a pa- i would rather see sinestro as parallax pop than see sinestro in his classic in his classic uniform but yeah, and so I, I, I'm not saying I, there's no chance I'm going to get it. So this is kind of like in my monkey crap list to pops where the odds are it is a chance I'm going to get it. I just don't feel passionate about it. 
So um, for those of you playing along at home, if you look at the box art, the sticker on this is Funko exclusive. What that means, guys, because I know a lot of you um, do get curious and, and ask us follow up questions online when we post news that this stuff is coming out. What that means is this will be available at Funko headquarters stores, which I believe is in Everett, uh, Washington, just outside of Seattle. And there's also one, I think, in L.A., Funko Hollywood. I don't know if they've opened any more, but I think those are the two. So it'll be available in store and online on Funko's website. Here's the problem with that. Funko exclusives tend to go fast. They've done a lot on the shopping experience on their website to try and prevent the bot situations. But as we all know, people find a way through stuff. Current, we don't know when this is supposed to be available for pre-order. It is currently says customer may purchase up to two pieces per household. So if you guys are online and able to get one of these when it drops, it will be you can get a maximum of two for your order. It is $15. Once we know when it's coming out and we will know before they just drop it on us, that's usually how it goes. I'm telling you, if you want this, be online and ready to order this the moment it goes live. There are multiple examples of Funko exclusive products like this that are only available online or in the headquarters that are still available several days after it releases. But there's just as many, if not more, examples of them immediately selling out. And there's really no way to know. So I'm telling you, if you really want this, figure out when it drops and be online four or five minutes before it's supposed to go live and just sit there and refresh your screen until it's up and put it in your cart and check the hell out ASAP. Now, usually you only have to do that with Funko exclusives that are shared con exclusives. So the summer convention stuff for San Diego, the fall winter stuff for New York, the spring stuff for Emerald City. Usually. But again, still possible this could sell out within the first 30 minutes. I don't know. So the only way you can guarantee it or get close to guaranteeing it is be a pain in the ass about it and just hover over that site when it drops. That's all I can tell you guys to prepare you for your best case scenario if you really want to get one. Mark, have you ever, I mean, other than the NFT drop stuff, have you actually ordered stuff off of Funko's website? when they had an exclusive drop when it went live? Have you had that experience yet? Yeah, because that's how I got the lore fleece. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's a different beast when it's happening during con season and it's a shared exclusive because you will literally see stuff just disappearing from your cart. And I'm talking, I did what I just told you guys to do. I was on the website five minutes before, just refresh, 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 until it finally went live, found the one or two things I want, add a cart, add a cart, add a cart, check out. And then I'm just waiting in the queue. And then as I'm waiting, sold out, sold out, sold out. It's like, son of a bitch. Can I get anything? Um, So take my warning. Uh, It may be completely unnecessary, but take my warning, people. Now, McFarland. 
A uh, gold label exclusive Kyle Rayner is out. And no, I'm not talking about the one that we got. It is classic Kyle Rayner. I am talking about a gold label exclusive McFarland Blue Lantern Kyle Rayner. Holy shit, it looks cool, doesn't it? Well, yes, and it also looks cool by comparison to the to the original we got, which just looks worse <laughs> and worse. As they keep reusing this mold over and over again, and we realize how completely crappy that first one was. I mean, that I guess I mean we can only hope we're gonna get White Lantern Kyle next, and then maybe get the you know the first that one from New Guardians when he first tried to use all the the the, the rings. But as long as they have that sculpt, and they only need to modify it ever so slightly. That yeah, let's 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 go to town on that. I I have a special place in my heart for the Blue Lantern Kyle Rayner. I really like that design and everything. I think Kyle's a great choice as a Blue Lantern. Um, the uh the figure comes with a construct Blue Lantern and well a construct lantern that is blue, and a uh two construct kind of fiery fists or whatever as well as the stand and the trading card. Um, I see no issues with this. I love it so much. And did they get the symbol right? Yes, they did. Um, most gold label series exclusives are usually exclusive to Target, or to Walmart. This one seems to be an online exclusive for McFarlane themselves. Do I have that right, based yes. on what we've seen here? Yes. Okay. I will have to get mine on the aftermarket, because it is currently unavailable for purchase. <laughs> you didn't order? I thought you were ordering those. Those. No. I wanted to, but I didn't get around to it. Um, I'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe we have generous listeners. I don't know. And I don't mean buying it for me, guys. I mean, like, I can if you got an extra one, I'll pay you for it. You can still um, order it. No, it, it, it said I am on the website right now. It says unavailable for purchase. I'm going to send you the link that I'm looking at because I was I just said it shows me pre-order and I was able to add it to my cart. So so let me send you the link. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Speaking of, did you see the other gold label eradicator? Oh, the one. Oh, you're talking about the one from Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, I I have now. Unfortunately, I have two because I forgot that I had been. I had I won one. I didn't think I was going to win, and I didn't. More accurately, I put a bid on one. I didn't think I was. I had, I got confused too. I was bidding on. I forgot I already had a bid on another one. So now Jim is going to have one at some point. But yes, I I I already I already have one. Uh, is, even though it's we know it's not supposed to be the reign of the Superman Eradicator, so that's so it's more the DC Rebirth era Eradicator. So that's okay. Uh, the glow in the dark, the uh power, the energy hands could have been better. I I even uh painted repainted them with the glow in the dark paint, but they would be better if they were more translucent and more energy based. But I don't remember what his hands look like in the. Zod era, if you will. So these, that might be a completely accurate representation, but it's cool. But yeah, I've had no luck finding Walmart exclusives at my Walmart. So I looked, but I figured. Sorry. <laughs> and only one I'm, one, I was gonna... checking out with this link you gave me, man. I'm distracted. <laughs> no, but yeah, I appreciate it. No, but yes, in theory, if I had not gotten one, yes, that would have been, but, uh, I wasn't going to go I wasn't going to go crazy over it. That's why I even even the one I ended up winning I I was not I actually was surprised I won because either one of the ones I won cuz I had the same kind of bid in before and I had lost and I said, "Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal." It's not a, See, this is something I don't remember. I I would have to go look at. I don't know if 
the Rebirth Era Eradicator does have a yellow S shield on the back of his cape. But this, but the McFarlane figure doesn't. And I actually opened the DC Universe Mattel uh, Eradicator Reign of the Superman figure. I, and I noticed that that doesn't, doesn't have the yellow S shield, which it should have either. So, but I don't remember if the current version of the Eradicator does have an S shield on the back of his cape. I just noticed that it's obviously wrong based on the, the, Reign of the Superman, Last Son of Krypton, Eradicator. That it it should have it. So did you get your you get your figure? I I got it. Thank you very much. No problem. Send my previous statement, listeners. Uh, I've got one secured. Thank you very much. When I went to Target, I saw the I saw the gold label Aquaman. Actually, I saw a bunch of them. So I don't know. Uh, what I really want though is that I mean, in addition to I I, I would prefer Blue Lantern, uh, Kyle, but. This gold label dead man is it's a great looking figure. It's a really good looking figure. And I'm I'm definitely gonna be hunting this one down in Target for sure. Because who gives a shit about Dead Man? Me. That's it. <laughs> I like Dead Man. Nobody's gonna be after this figure unless unless they're like, you know, people who just want to get gold label stuff because it's hard to find and they want to capitalize on that and flip it online. This is, this is such a cool ass figure, man. Uh, I really some of the choices he's made uh, to for some of these figures. Um, I hesitate to be hopeful that there could be a Ragman figure. There's never been a Ragman figure, dude, ever made. No, no matter what year of DC publication history, there has never been a Ragman figure. The closest you can get is a Ragman Hero Clicks. That's it. Um, so I would lose my ever-loving mind if if we got a McFarlane Ragman. Even way, sorry. Either way. All right. Well, before actually we move on, something happened in the middle of recording. This is another reminder to pay attention to eBay. Because Mark and I, Mark, have, you've also been on the hunt for this, right? Well, I, I have it, so I don't need it anymore. Oh Remember? shit, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I, 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 I lucked out with my, my with the two that I got from Big Bad. Though one of them was son of a bitch. I forgot I hated you for that. <clears throat> yep. So the soda figure, the Hal Jordan soda figure that came out. This is the first of their Green Lantern wave, I believe. Uh, the chase was a White Lantern version, a metallic White Lantern version. And we all know Chad loves his White Lanterns as much as, I don't know, as, as much. Mark's got a really big heart on for Blue Lanterns. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's my favorite core outside of Green Lanterns in terms of merchandise and all that stuff. Um, well, that damn figure aftermarket was going for like 60 bucks, right? On average, that's what we saw, even up until today. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So last night before bed, one of the random nights i don't do this every night but every other night or so or every three nights went on ebay search green lantern sorted by ending soonest and just scrolled for a while and i watched any item that i was interested in i came across this too good to be true white lantern soda figure of hal jordan and it was at the time like a dollar 50 bid and i was like there's no way there's no way it's going to go for that little. Um, it's ending in like 24 hours or so. Let's 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 see. Let's just see. As we're recording tonight, 
it, it, the 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 time limit comes up during this bid. Last 35 seconds, I put in my max bid, and I just wait and see, and I won. 22.19 is what I paid. Now that's tax and all the other stuff included, but the bid itself was what 20.50. Yep. Um, so I paid less than half what this figure is going for right now in most every other aftermarket purchasing system right now. You guys at home may think it's ridiculous to pay 20 plus bucks or whatever for a figure the size of a, a Funko soda or whatever. But this is a awesome get for a great price. And it just yet another example. Pay attention to eBay. It might be a little harder these days because of the DC Studios announcement with with the Lantern series. I don't know how much harder, but I anticipate prices going up just a little bit, if not more, because things like Supergirl's Woman of Tomorrow, um, Booster Gold, stuff like that, those trade paperbacks are selling out everywhere right now. I'm seeing that reports of that everywhere. LCS is uh, local comic shops can't keep them in stock. It sold off of uh, Amazon. I don't know if they recently restocked, but I did see they sold out the other day off of Amazon, all kinds of stuff. Will that affect the lantern market? If it's affecting stuff, stuff like booster gold, I think it will. Uh, so I do anticipate prices going up, but in the meantime, we still don't have a show. So not a lot of people are caring about green lantern right now. But people are starting to get their eyes on it. So I think we're kind of nearing the end of this little window of cheap Green Lantern stuff on eBay. We may still have several months for it or even a year plus or whatever. But I think we're nearing the end of that window. So, again, pay attention to eBay, folks. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that. I always tried. I go through waves of paying attention to eBay. I think it's important to... Uh, especially when you have some of these exclusives, that's how, you know, yeah, I had to, it's, it's just like, even now it's curious to go look to see like how much the, how ridiculously expensive the, the NFT eradicator still goes for, which is still interesting in direct comparison to like the, the parallax one is still not that expensive, but actually I haven't looked since the, since the NFT redemption period ended. I don't know if that's, if that has changed the price at all, but I, I just noticed before it ended on the third or whatever, or third or the fourth, that the prices were still relatively much lower for the parallax NFT than for the eradicator, because I still wouldn't mind getting it, but I'm not, but I'm not, I really have, I'm not going to shell out 50 bucks for the eradicator or more for the eradicator at this point. It's just not that big a deal for me, but it's good. It's a good way of finding out what things are going for in case you want to sell stuff. Also, but just to see what's the scarcity of things. And maybe sometimes you do, like Chad said, sometimes you, you walk into something and you find something that's ridiculously cheap. And even though it, that Hal Jordan soda went for more money than it was when we first looked at it tonight, the reality is it still went for a hell of a lot cheaper than most of them are going for. Mm-hmm. 100%. All right, Chad, All take right. us home. Take us home. We are talking about something that's trending over on Twitter right now. Yay, Twitter, the cesspool. Grace Randolph, who Mark pays attention to and stuff, has been talking on Twitter today, late this evening, about a rumor. Whether it's true or not, we'll talk about that here and what it could potentially mean. From the tweet, I hear that it's going to be a former Batman who cameos at the end of The Flash. 
It could potentially and could potentially stick around as the new permanent DCU Batman slash Damien's dad. Pattinson is still solo. She says, I know who it is, but it would be uncool to reveal the whole thing. And just to bring us home on this, one of the tweet replies, which is obvious, considering Val Kilmer's condition and Clooney's age, this is not much of a hidden choice. Either her report is wrong or it's Christian Bale. Those are the options. So the idea that with the new DCU, the end credit scene or the final scene or whatever that we see Batman in in the Flash is the Batman that will be our Batman for the uh mentioned brave and the bold movie that will be coming for this part of this uh first chapter of dc studios and it's going to be a batman we've had before according to her i agree with this this tweet response that it can't be kilmer or clooney um so it's bail or her report is wrong which i agree with so I half love and half hate this idea because i don't know that i want nolan's trilogy uh, does it mean that if it is Bale, Nolan's trilogy is canon for this new DCU? And if so, do I like that idea? I don't think I do. But I also think it'd be still cool to see Bale back as Batman. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I personally, I hope they still cast somebody else. That's just me. I like the idea of the shout out, the callback or whatever, but I don't know that I want Bale back. It's a really question. Let's, let's go with questionable. It's a really questionable direction to go in if they wanted to do that. Um, we know there's going to be a lot of stuff related to the multiverse, and there's no reason why they can't do things like that. It also would be intriguing just from the perspective that Bale has always more or less hitched his wagon to Nolan. So does that mean, in theory, if he's going to do that, would that mean Nolan would be willing to come back and do another Batman movie? And that why and that's why Christian Bale would consider doing this. I I I don't know. It, or is this again just is this gonna it's not for the fact that the story is supposedly tied to, to the idea that that Batman that you were going to see is going to be the Batman that you, that is going to carry on in the in the gun saffron verse. If not for that aspect of it, it could just mean hey, it could mean almost nothing because it's in the multiverse and and you might see this character again in, in some crisis movie or but I don't know. I think I think that would be a very, very odd, odd direction to go in. Maybe it would be less odd once we figure out who he's going to cast for Superman. But I think that would be and, and plus, if it's you think about this, it's really it's even it's even harder to explain if it's going to be Christian Bale, because we already know what happened to Talia in, in his timeline. Uh, so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, and yeah, and yeah, he banged her, but he, but she's dead. So she, even if she was pregnant when he killed her, unless you're going to retcon it and say she didn't really die. But the reality, hey, there's always a Lazarus pit. But the reality is, uh, on the surface, it would seem that they kind of close that road for on multiple, on multiple levels too. Plus he's an old yeah. broke, literally a broken down Batman. Unless so, unless it's going to be a different version of a diff. And maybe that's what convinced Christian Bale to do it where, Hey, you're playing Batman again, but you're not exactly playing the same Batman. So then it doesn't really kind of like, kind of like the, the head, the kind of like the head job you have to do talking to, uh, to convince potentially Hugh Jackman to do Wolverine again because we're not really screwing around, but but the stuff we did in Logan because it's gonna it doesn't really affect that timeline or what happened. I don't know. 
it is I it is interesting because I because obviously that's new. I I certainly hadn't heard her talk about that before, and that would be uh certainly puts all eyes even more on the Flash movie than than there were before. For sure. Yeah, not a lot to build off of here, but uh, it it's currently breaking. Mark's one of Mark's biggest reasons for looking forward to the Flash is the Batman stuff. So I thought we could bring that up real quick. So if people want to reach out to us and uh, talk to us about anything we've talked about tonight, how do they reach out to us? Lanterncast.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. For an Apple podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher, please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.